1: Like what you learn on this and other Cashflow Diary podcast episodes? Go to LearnInvestingNow.com and sign up to receive powerful tips and information that will help you succeed as an entrepreneur and investor. Now, here's your host, investor, entrepreneur, business owner, educator, speaker, author, and master facilitator of Robert Kiyosaki's cashflow game, Jay
0: Massey. Jay All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Diary podcast. I'm your host, Jay Massey, and I'm glad that you are here today because, as you know, uh, we from time to time have been able to wrangle some of the successful entrepreneurs who have made an appearance on one of our favorite shows, Shark Tank, and we've managed to do that again, which is kind of awesome, but most importantly... We're going to get to see something that is completely creative, done in a new fashion. And most importantly, you're going to learn something about some creative ways to make (laughs) it. We were talking about a dollar out of 15 cents. It is going to be fun as you continue to learn because today's guests have been able to do some things that, you know, you and I maybe have only thought of. And more importantly, if you are out there right now behind a cubicle thinking, man, I wish I had my idea. I wish I could make something happen. I think you're going to find the inspiration that you're looking for today. Today's guests are none other than Kim Kalp and Brittany Hodak. They are the co-founders of ZinePack. I don't know if you saw that particular episode, but we're going to find out. You're like, what's ZinePack, Jay? I know, I know. We're going to tell you what that is in just a second. But here's the thing. What if you had an idea Would you be brave enough to actually follow it through? And that's the thing that I want you to understand that's impressive about today's entrepreneurs. Keep this in mind. Today's entrepreneurs have been able to go out there and do something that very few people have done. They made it happen. Help me welcome Kim and Brittany. How are you ladies doing?
2: Hi, we're doing great. Thanks so much for having us.
0: Excellent. Glad that you guys are here. Now, this being your first time here on the show, uh, I ask the, a very similar question, and I love the fact that you you call your following, we'll call them customers or super fans, because I, I tend to think of today's entrepreneurs a lot like yesterday's superheroes. Uh, you know, so when you're talking, you know, Wonder Woman, Black Widow, Spider-Man, Superman, etc. because I think we do similar things. You, we occasionally get dressed up. We think we put on, you know, capes and masks and save people from themselves. And we go out there and do great things in the marketplace using our special gifts and talents. However, just like superheroes, we had a beginning. We started somewhere. And we, we have what we call that origin story. So what I would really love to know is that before you ladies uh, were out there literally killing it in the, in the business world, I would love to know who is Brittany and who is Kim?
2: Awesome. Well, hi, I am Brittany. And I'm Kim. And we met in 2010 while we were working for an advertising agency in New York City.
0: Okay. And uh, when, so how did you end up? getting into advertising, et cetera.
3: That's a great question. Um, this is Kim. Uh, Brittany and I met in advertising, but that's definitely not where we started. Um, I started in the publishing industry. I worked at Condé Nast for a couple years and Brittany started in the music industry working at Sony record for a number of years. So we both ended up in the ad space because we grew frustrated with the um, both publishing and music industries and thought the ad space would be a solution to our problems. Um, however, it wasn't, but it was a solution in terms of meeting each other and starting Zine Pack.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. You, you, we always start with something that we think is going to work out, and then we get, well, we find out later after we get something started. So tell us a, a little bit, because I'm guessing that there's at least one person wondering what a Zine Pack is.
2: Well, to that one person.
0: <laughs> exactly. To that only one. <laughs>
2: Uh, A zine pack is a package that's put together for a super fan, and that could be a super fan of a sports team, of a movie property, or of a musician, and what we do is partner with all of those entertainers and properties to help make really cool stuff for their fans. So we'll create a custom magazine or coffee table book or ticketing experience and make really neat collectible merchandise and package it all up together in one package called the zine pack.
0: Interesting, so so let's let's take me for example, let's say there's at least one fan listening today, um and I wanted to give them a, a what would I give them? what would they get with the cash flow diary on it what what would they receive, or what are the options? how does that work?
3: yeah, there's a lot of possibilities, Jay, I mean. It really would dive into, you know, what the cash flow experience was all about and what that super fan really wanted to know. Maybe it would be background on you and where you started and how, you know, what entrepreneurs inspire you and kind of the meaning behind the cash flow diaries, or maybe it's something about... Um, experiencing the casual Diaries by seeing past entrepreneurs and, and diving deeper into their stories and where they've been. Um, we do all sorts of different creative concepts and ideas, whether it's for, you know, Katy Perry or Taylor Swift uh, to Maroon 5 and Kiss. And each of the packages is so very different depending on what those fans want to know and want to experience about their favorite artists.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Well, I know one question I better ask for sure before we get too much further, because I, I, we get this all the time and people ask me, but uh, tell us a little bit about your journey on actually getting on to Shark Tank, what happened after, and, and some of the lessons that you've learned along the way.
2: Great questions. This is Brittany. We were very fortunate in that appearing on Shark Tank for us kind of fell in our laps, we were on the Inc. 35 Under 35 list in 2014, and of the 35 entrepreneurs that were selected for the list, we were the only self-funded company, and a producer for this show saw that, reached out to us, asked whether or not we were considering raising any funds and if we'd like to be on the show, so a couple of weeks after that, we were on our way to L.A. where we shot the show. We filmed in September of 2014, so... It was several months between when we filmed and when the episode aired. We were very nervous, not only hoping that we would be one of the few chosen to air, but also hoping that the edit would be favorable because (laughs) we filmed for close to an hour. And this segment ended up being about eight minutes long. So we felt like they did a really, really good job of cutting it down and showing a a representative picture of what happened in that hour. But it was still really nerve wracking to watch it on national TV for the first time.
0: (laughs) I can only imagine. Uh, One of our previous guests, Billy Blanks uh, Jr., was specifically mentioning how it was not only Difficult after it was recorded, but that waiting period where you're you're not really speaking about what happened uh, during that particular time. was that similarly challenging
2: for you? Yes, we found that part more challenging than actually filming because we only had a few weeks to look forward to and prepare for filming. And then we had several months of waiting and, you know, we didn't know whether or not it was ever even going to air on TV. So we weren't telling people about it or talking about it. So it was definitely way harder to wait for it than it was to go into the tank in the first place.
0: Yeah, yeah I can imagine. I can imagine. So you, you said something that I think is interesting. And in fact, I, I want to make sure that everybody heard. You said you were one of the only self-funded companies. Uh, I think that's a that's first of all that's admirable for sure. But explain to us why you chose that route, and more importantly, why you then made the choice to begin bringing on investors, etc.
3: Absolutely, this is Kim. Well, it's definitely a personal decision. You know, no matter how you want to start a company, and there's no right or wrong answers. There's obviously going to be pros and cons of each, and. For Brittany and I, we really decided from the beginning that we really wanted to control our own destiny. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, if you decide to take money, um, obviously the people who you take money from have a say and and have their own opinions on the direction of your company and where you see it growing. Mm -hmm. And for Brittany and I, it was important in the beginning for us to get our own footing and really control what that was going to look like uh, we did that for you know the first year and then all of a sudden found a lot of success so the cash flow issue wasn't as much of a problem as we continued to grow because there were various things we did to help help ease that pain but now after four years, we really started looking at how to continue to grow our company past the $3 million revenue mark and into, you know, the 5 and 10 and $15 million revenue mark. And we really thought it would be great to take this opportunity to perhaps raise some funds from people that we really admired and from – People that we really thought that their advice and their connections could help the trajectory of our company in a, in a massive way. So that was kind of our thought process between bootstrapping and then ultimately down the road deciding to look at taking some funding in a way that was on our terms.
0: Yes, I liked how you said the on our terms part, because you mentioned the, the idea of a control. I mean, that's one of the things that, you know, I've been called controlling for sure uh, when it comes to my business interests, simply because I, I like to make things work the way that I want them to. So uh, I'm curious to know, uh, Brittany, when you guys were going through the, the bootstrapping period, uh, was there ever a time that in you could say either one of you Uh, felt like, um, I'm not sure this is going to work and we might want to consider something else. Did you have any of those moments?
2: This is Brittany. I think when you're an entrepreneur, you you feel like that all the time. You're <laughs> never sure if something's going to work or how a change in the environment might be impacting something that your business is doing. So that was certainly something we thought about for the first several months of the company. It wasn't really until we hit our first million dollars in revenue right before our first birthday that we felt like, okay, we're we on to something and we can do this on our own.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. So uh, did it would you have found it in an, an advantage? I mean, because for mo- many entrepreneurs, they're out there, they're solo, it's just them, you know, it's their idea, they're the chief cook and bottle washer trying to make it all happen. And I'm curious to know if you found any support by being together and working with each other.
3: This is Kim, absolutely. I mean, especially in the beginning of a company, you know, there's so much to do, the to do list seems to never ever end, and that's. Seems like it's true even four years later, there always seems to be work to do. So for us, it was really advantageous for there to be two of us. So one of us could be working on one thing and the other could be working on something else and that whole sort of divide and conquer method and also being able to bounce ideas off one another as opposed to, you know, if you're a solo founder, not really having as many opportunities to bounce your ideas off other people, especially for decisions that need to be made very quickly. Um, so for us, it was really great that there was another person to kind of help out and, and pick up where somebody else left off.
0: Well, and this is kind of, I guess, something I'm, I, I'm thinking of. You, you mentioned the uh, whole idea of ideas and vetting ideas, which is key and, and definitely needed. Who's, how did the idea for ZinePack even happen? Where did that come from?
2: This is Brittany. The initial idea was something that I had in college. I was a college rep for one of the big music distribution companies, and all of the conference calls that we would have every couple of weeks were talking about how consumers weren't buying physical music anymore. This was in the early 2000s, so you know iTunes hadn't really taken a stronghold yet. It was still Very like, oh, people are stealing music on Napster. What do we do? And I thought the solution was pretty simple to just make a product that was really cool that couldn't be downloaded. And if digital music was inferior to physical music, fans would want to go buy it in a physical configuration. So that was really the impetus for the product idea that became ZinePack.
0: Interesting. Now, at that moment, you both mentioned now you were working at other companies. When you have to have that, what I call the superhero moment, it's the moment you say, you know what, I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to go out there and put on my own cape and my, my own uniform and make something of this idea. Typically, though. Uh, an individual experiences a little bit of uh, trepidation, challenge, some some more emotions. And I'm curious about that superhero moment for each of you because you each had to make that decision and uh, how you were able to get yourself in the right mindset to do it and, and keep pushing forward.
3: Yeah, this is Kim. That's a great question, Jay, and I think it's also a question that continues. You know, every day you have to have that superhero moment, and every day you have to get out of bed and go. Today, I'm going to keep pushing and keep believing in my my idea and and keep trying to grow it even bigger than it was yesterday. So, I like to say that the superhero idea, you know, doesn't really end; it just continues in a new format. Um, but that first initial idea, yeah, it's. It's really scary, but I think for Brittany and I, we, we really realized that our hearts were not in advertising, so it really wasn't something that we could see ourselves doing long-term. It wasn't like we had two loves. One was this idea of zine pack, and one was advertising, and it was you know, Sophie's choice, and we were having to pick between two things that we desperately loved. Uh, we didn't love advertising, so the choice was, was much easier. I think it was just overcoming the fear of the unknown. Um, which, again, is just something that, you know, it's like a bungee jump. You just have to jump and and hope for the best, really.
0: Well, and hopefully not be afraid of heights at that moment if you're... <laughs> <laughs> for sure. What about you, Brittany?
2: Yeah, I think I agree with everything Kim said. It's It's definitely a scary, unknown world when you first make that decision to be an entrepreneur, but... I just kind of looked around and said, you know what, I'm not happy where I'm at right now. So I might as well take a chance at creating my own happiness. And the worst thing that's going to happen is maybe I'll fail. And if I do, I'm still young enough to, to just slap CEO on my resume and, you know, go try to get a job somewhere else and say, I tried to start a company and it didn't work out. So now I'm, I'm reentering the workforce. And if the worst Thing that can happen is that you go try to get a job a year later and explain to somebody that you took a risk and started a company. Then that felt to me like a like a really small risk.
0: Yeah, I like the way you said that too. Uh, a really small risk compared to the alternative of living uh, a reality that you don't that you, you may not uh, enjoy. So he- here's a question: I- I've heard the term occasionally bandied about of, of being an overnight success. I would love to hear your opinion uh, on that, because I, I know what I tell my team, but I I, w- I would love to hear what you guys feel uh, about that particular term.
2: I think that's one of those funny monikers that, you know, nothing, very rarely is anything ever an overnight success. A lot of those people work for 10 or 15 years to become an overnight success in the music industry or or the sports industry, and I think it's the same way in the world of entrepreneurship. Even if your company is very successful from day one, like ours was, there was a lot of work and preparation that went into it before we officially launched the company to help set us up for that success.
0: Yeah, I often tell people we're about four years away from being an overnight success.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> that's just all it takes. No big deal. So we're on the way. We're on the way. So w- with that being said, one of the things that uh, I appreciate about you guys is that I- I'm a father of four, Or sorry, four children, three daughters and my oldest has started her own little online business but uh, i think there needs to be more uh female entrepreneurs i am I'm assuming you agree uh but what i and i also believe that women in business have a unique advantage especially when it comes to team oriented businesses because you guys know how to build teams in my opinion significantly better than most men simply because you you just get the relationship thing i'm curious to know what other advantages you guys feel uh other women that are listening could bring and, and and use to the table to actually increase the the value we'll say of the marketplace in general
2: That's a great question. We absolutely agree that there should be more women entrepreneurs in the world. And I think everything you pointed out is, is spot on. Women are such great communicators. They're so great at seeing the bigger picture and helping to identify what the root of a problem is and, and problem solving and troubleshooting solutions to help fix that problem. So we absolutely agree there should be many, many more female entrepreneurs and female business leaders in the world. Uh, agreed. What about you, Kim?
3: Yeah, I think the stats are, you know, they are what they are. They're they're getting better each year. But, you know, one stat we like to repeat a lot is only 2% of women-owned businesses ever make more than a million in revenue. And that's just from, you know, census information. It's not even, um, unfortunately, just hearsay. It's it's proof. So we're we're really hoping that we can be not only part of that 2% but really help to grow that 2% into an even larger, you know, area of women that can help each other and and work together to support everybody in the growth of of women in entrepreneurship.
0: Got it. Yeah, uh, agreed. So we we get that everything has gone well. What would you say though has been the I I won't call it necessarily the mistake. I tend to call them learning lessons. Uh, What would you say has been some of the greatest learning lessons that you've had since inception?
2: This is Brittany. There have definitely been a lot of those. One, I would say, is we waited too long to hire employees. So because we were self-funded, we were that's trying to be very, very frugal and waiting you know to the absolute last minute to add people to the team. So that's probably impeded our growth quite a bit, both early on in the history of our lifespan and even still today. It's hard when you're an entirely self-funded company to – Justify making those large expenditures because what a lot of people don't realize is entrepreneurs are the last ones to get paid. So even though our company is doing millions of dollars a year in revenue. Because we want the company to continue to be successful, almost all the money goes back into the business. So, um, For example, Kim and I make less than almost every single one of our employees, and that's one of the sacrifices of being an entrepreneur. And In order for your team to continue to grow and expand, you've got to make those tough choices and say, would I rather have a higher salary myself, or would I rather add another person to the team who's going to be able to take some work off my plate so that I can enjoy my weekends a little bit more?
0: Completely... Understood, and uh, I'm so glad you said that because um, that is always. A, I mean, it's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for every entrepreneur that I'm aware of. Is when do you when do you bring on? Then heaven forbid, how do you pay them? And how much? And how do you know you got the right one? So I'm assuming you've had this experience at least once, where you've hired the wrong person, kept that wrong person too long, and fired them too slowly.
3: Absolutely. This is Kim. I would like to say we don't know anything that you're talking about right now. (laughs) But uh, unfortunately, we do. And I think that's just a lesson uh, that every entrepreneur has to learn. And no matter how many entrepreneurial books you read, it's kind of like Life, right? You know, growing up, your your mom or your dad or your grandma or whoever in your family might say, like, "Oh, you know, your middle school boyfriend isn't going to be the end all be all." But you kind of have to get your heart broken and and get back up and learn your lesson uh, the hard way. So I, I kind of feel like that's one of those entrepreneurial things that you know people tell you to avoid all the time, but. You kind of got to get one or two under your belt for uh, some street cred.
0: (laughs) Right, or or just true conviction. I mean, it's like you hear this advice. You're like, yeah, 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 right. I'm going to be different. And then you're like, oh, God, that hurt. I'm never doing that again. And sometimes it it does take that. It's interesting that 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 is the case. But how did you deal with, because this is a question we also receive a lot, how did you actually get over the hump of getting that first Person, because that's usually like the the domino that you know tips everything over. You got to get that first person. How did you actually get to the point to where okay, it's time? Here's how we're and we're going to do it and make it happen. As you know, personal growth is the name of the game. Just because you start a business or an idea. It, uh, it should grow, it should become something that's larger than you, and if it does become something that's larger than you, it will eventually involve somebody who is not related to you. Have you seen that commercial with GoDaddy where they you've seen that uh, one person who's talking about, I got my first person on my website who's not related to me, and they're all celebrating going, yes, 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 yes. You want that to be you. Uh, you want the customers to not eventually be related to you. You want the employees not to eventually be related to you, or even your t- team members. This is a necessary thing when it comes to growing. And, and guys, I, I know it's scary, but you can get it done. All right. Just as a reminder, uh, if you haven't done so already, now would be a perfect time to go over to CashflowDiaryPodcast.com. Again, CashflowDiaryPodcast.com. All you're going to do is star, rate, and review the podcast because that's exactly what we would like you to do. Why? You're going to be entered into a contest to be able to win whatever we might be giving away on the next episode. Typically, we announce the winners on Mondays, but anyone who has ever star rated reviewed and if you got to leave the written review with the username, you are automatically entered. So if you want to be entered into the things that we have the opportunity to give away, then you've got to go do that cashflowdiarypodcast.com. Now, enough of that. Let's get back to it.
2: We were very lucky in that our first employee was somebody who was a friend of ours and who helped us start the company and worked for us as a freelancer for the first couple of years. So, even though she wasn't officially an employee until a little bit after our second birthday, she had been working with us since several months before we founded the company. So, that one was easy. And then for the next couple of employees, there were a few things that we did that were really helpful. Number one, we got into a co-working space. We work out of one of the WeWork buildings in New York and it made it really easy because number one, it wasn't, creepy to be inviting interns over to our apartments anymore, working out of our living room. And number two, (laughs) it's a a month-to-month co-working space. So we're able to get new spaces as we grow. And for example, when we moved into the space, it was just the two of us. And within about a month, we had two additional employees with us. So we were able to grow and expand and Three years later, we have 10 people here in the space, and we love it here. So that's one thing that was really helpful, getting a flexible co-working office space. And number two, we got what's called a PEO, which helps Uh us manage our employees and all of the things that go along with hiring employees, like benefits and insurance and making sure that everything is just right with all the taxes and the direct deposits of the paychecks. So that was a really, really huge help for us.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Okay, now I, I understand most of what you said there, but I want to make sure everybody understands. Specifically, two things, co-working and PEO, which, by the way, I think was a very brilliant idea. I don't know if you guys came up with that your own. Uh, it's just my wife has a human resources background, which, is, which helped me in this particular as, aspect as well as my CFO. But uh, I would definitely love for you to talk about those two things. But before we talk about those two things... Would you recommend the strategy, because that strategy you mentioned of having the freelancer work for you first before you bring them in-house, that's definitely something I've done, but would that be your recommended way? Like if you were starting over today and you had to bring on that first new person, is that how you would do it?
3: This is Kim. Yeah, I think it is. For us, it was a great learning lesson. And not only was it a great learning lesson for us, I think it's also really fair to whoever it is you're bringing on. You know, it's not a one way street. It's it takes two people to tango. So you also want to give that person the freedom to say, I'm going to feel you out as well. And I'm going to feel out this situation and see if it's something that is going to make sense for me. Um, that was really important that we want everybody who works at Pack to really feel like they they belong here as well. And it's not just a paycheck for them. It's really something that they believe in.
0: Oh, you just you hit all kinds of buttons with the words, not just a paycheck. It's a, a, there is so much difference between the persons working just for money and the ones who are about some part of the mission in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I definitely appreciate you bringing that up. So if you could, though. Uh, ladies. Explain the co- what co-working is and then the PEO. That would be really awesome.
2: Sure. So co-working spaces are really, really great places where you can be surrounded by other entrepreneurs and small business owners who are in a lot of ways just like you. And there are a lot of different types of co-working spaces. And some of them, it's just an open area with a table where you rent a desk or a space. Some of them are by the hour, some are by the day, some are longer longer term. And then other co-working spaces are a little bit more like a like a group office environment. So you can have your own dedicated space that locks and closes and is your own, but it's on a floor with 50 or 60 or more people who are also running their own little companies out of the space. So we found a co-working space called WeWork. And WeWork is a startup in its own right. The company was founded in 2011. Uh, Mind you, it's a startup that's been valued at over a billion dollars and is the fastest growing real estate owner in Manhattan right now. But it it is a startup nonetheless. And it's a really fun collaborative co-working space because they really focus on People under the age of forty who have exciting, cool businesses. So it's been a really great experience. Not just because it's affordable and it's convenient. We never have to worry about if somebody's coming to to change the toner in the copy machine, or if there's going to be toilet paper, <laughs> or if there's going to be tea, like that stuff all just magically happens, which is great. But WeWork also puts a really big premium on community building. So there are always really cool events going on. So we're always meeting new people. We're always going to do fun and exciting things. And for our employees, that's been a huge asset because in a lot of ways, it's it's not as if they they have 10 coworkers. It's as if they have hundreds of coworkers and they're able to do really fun things like go to summer camps and karaoke parties and Halloween parties. And it's just a lot of fun.
0: Excellent. And for those of you... Wishing you were in Manhattan right now. Just know that uh, they are expanding over to the West Coast. They have some offices already uh, up and functioning in the Hollywood area, and uh, I believe uh, Santa Monica as well as uh, some more in the L.A. proper are coming. So I know some of you are wondering, "Hey, I'd like to go do that because it sounds." That's one of the reasons I go to Starbucks so much. I just don't want to be by myself.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and we we work is actually all over the country. I think they're in about fifteen cities now. So Chicago, Boston. Nashville, Atlanta, Dallas, Austin, they're all over the place and continuing to open new offices all the time. They're in a few foreign countries now as well. So the website is wework.com for anybody who wants to check it out.
0: Excellent. And then share was the the, the the genius behind the PEO option.
3: Yeah, the PEO option, this is Kim, was, was something that we really found to be a huge asset for us. Obviously, um, if you don't have an HR background, there's a ton of stuff that you have to keep in mind from, you know, healthcare for employees to workers comp to COBRA. And not only is it something that is static that you need to know, it's it's often ever changing. You know, there's always new laws being passed. There's always updates to. Um, statues that are being passed. So it's something that you have to actively stay up on. And for us, a PEO made a lot of sense because it was a resource that we recognized that we needed. Uh, Brittany and I are big believers in finding people that are really good at what they do and letting them be really good at what they do. Uh, For us, it's not about, oh, well, we'll learn how to use QuickBooks and be just as good as an accountant because something that might take us four hours might take them 20 minutes. So it's like, no, let's let this person who's really good at accounting or really good at HR or really good at um, you know, whatever it is they do, let's let them do their thing because when they excel, we'll all excel. And for us, the PEO choice of Trinet was the perfect solution for us figuring out how to manage all of our new employees, how to bring them on with, with staying in code and, and obeying obviously all of the various, um, human rights laws and, and, you know, workers comp and all that sort of good
0: stuff. Indeed, indeed. And you're you're bringing up so many other facets that it's like, but guys, I thought you had this, you know, company over here, all these other things that go into just making ZinePack work or any company work for that matter. And I'm curious to know, would you consider in, like, the role of, did you have any someone that was maybe in a mentorship type of capacity in some way, shape or form that guided you along this way? Or or was this really all trial and error?
2: This is Brittany. A lot of it was trial and error, but we've had amazing people to help us all along the way. And one thing that we always tell aspiring entrepreneurs is never be afraid to ask for help. When you're asking for help, that's not saying, hey, I'm weak. That's saying, hey, I want to be even better. So never be afraid to ask people for help. Look for support groups and groups of like-minded people who are doing the same things you're doing. We are part of a community called the Young Entrepreneur Council or YEC. It's an invite-only community of about a thousand entrepreneurs under the age of 40, all with businesses that are doing more than a million dollars in revenue. And We talk to people in that group all the time. It could be something as simple as hey, did somebody know about our project management software or something as complicated as how do I deal with this conflict between two of my employees? And it's just really nice to have a sounding board of hundreds, literally hundreds of people who are going through a lot of the same things that you're going through trying to grow their own businesses. So we always advise that people ask for help early, ask for help often, and look for people who are fighting some of the same challenges and make them their BFFs.
0: (laughs) Immediately, if not sooner.
2: Yeah. Uh, That's
0: for sure. So you've said this before, and I'm just curious. Are you telling me because I just turned 40, I am now eliminated?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, I don't think you qualify for YEC anymore, but there are amazing, amazing groups for every level of entrepreneurs. When we were just getting started, we were part of something called Count Me In, which is for female business owners who are doing less than a million dollars a year of revenue. And there are great things like EO and you know just countless organizations that are really great a lot of them are focused on professions so if you're starting an accounting practice or you're starting a practice where you're going to be doing advertising it doesn't matter there are groups of people who will help you be better at what you're doing be more connected and solve a whole lot of headaches for you so it's really imperative to find them a really great place to look for groups like that is on LinkedIn if you just search some keywords you can find people who share a lot of your same interest and sort of build a community that way as a starting point.
0: And you actually answered the question I was really asking. It's not so much that if you're 40, you're out of luck. It's uh, that there's many places to go for resources. So thank you uh, for for sharing that information. But more importantly, I mean we're told when we grow up in, in school that you know you're not supposed to we're not supposed to talk to strangers and uh, we're not supposed to get help because help in school means cheating. And yet to be a successful entrepreneur the things we must do, are talk to strangers, and well, honestly, cheat uh, off of each other's paper so that we can actually deliver the product or service we're trying to bring to market. So, with
2: it's not cheating; it's cooperative learning.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. Yes. <laughs> did, did you? Is that what you said in kindergarten too? <laughs> I, I like you. I like. I like it. Apart, you're you're absolutely right. But here's the here's the other thing that I I would love to get your your thoughts on. Because during this journey, there have been more than one time where something you tried didn't work. And there's a unique thing that happens at that moment, that that what I call failure event. At that moment, you've got to make a decision again to keep going even past that failure. And I think one of the things that we're not equipped for is actually learning how to fail forward, fail fast, and fail frequently. It's a skill set that's missing. How important... Has developing that you know thick skin or the ability to try new things, so to speak, uh, been in your success?
3: This is Kim. It's been absolutely crucial, and I think. Um, we've also had, again, a lot of support with helping that, you know, you, you go home some days and you're frustrated or you're scared or you're annoyed or all these other things. And whether it's been our significant others or our parents or family or friends, um, we've had so much support of just telling us, you know, just keep going. Uh, you, we really tried to make it a village when we started Zine pack. We didn't want to be just these um, two people kind of like floating out in space. So it really helps up for us to have um, kind of our village help us and remind us that to, to shake it off and keep going.
0: If you remember the movie uh, Finding Nemo, there was a character by the name of Dory, and she always would say to herself, just keep swimming just keep swimming and that's
2: exactly
0: <laughs> that's exactly what I think of it's like yeah and, and and it worked for her so maybe it'll it'll work for me as well so with with uh, all these things that you've got going on what what's like the next big thing for uh, a
2: this is Brittany. There are a lot of next big things. We're really excited. This is a really fun time. Um, we we mentioned in the Shark Tank episode that we're, we're going to be expanding into the world of sports and movies and video games. And we're working on all of those projects right now. And are just really excited to be able to introduce some cool new super fan products for people in all of those verticals.
0: Awesome. Excellent. So, uh, if someone wanted to find out a little bit more about you guys, where 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 would be the best place for them to uh, find out more about what you guys are doing, or you know, um, or find out more about you?
3: That's a great question, um, Brittany. This is Kim. Brittany and I are both on social media, so our Twitter accounts, as well as Zinepacks accounts and Zinepacks official site, where we also have a news blog where we put all sorts of new and cool things that are happening with Zine Pack, whether it's uh press things that Brittany and I have been in or new project announcements of the fun new uh entertainment properties and celebrities that we're working with.
0: So this last question is definitely for both of you. Let's pretend for a second that there's someone listening who is standing outside the superhero store right now. They're wanting to pick out their outfit, but they're feeling a little, you know, Scared still. Little doubt still going, that nagging voice in the back of their head. Can I? Should I? Will I? Who's really going to buy my idea? All of that stuff is still going on, but they feel passionate about what it is that they want to do. What would you say to him or her right now?
2: I would say tomorrow is going to be even scarier than today and the decision tomorrow is going to be even harder to make than it is today so don't waste any more time today is the day make it happen
0: like it kim
2: oh
3: so hard Um I would say you know everything for said to 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 start as soon as possible, but also to let as many people know as possible. you know, let your friends know, let your family know, let your significant other know and and have them help you uh reach your goals. I think that kind of community accountability is is really useful,
0: yeah. I like that one for sure. Community accountability plays a really big role. Uh, I call it trapping myself into being successful because we all have that friend who will ask you, so how's that thing going? Uh, And they can't do that if you don't ask them or let them know uh, what's going on. I definitely uh, appreciate you, ladies, for taking the time to invest here with the Cashflow Diary.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting us to be on. Thank you so much.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's time for you to move at the speed of instruction. What does that mean from this episode? That probably means go out there. Tell somebody that you want to get something done. Pick out your superhero outfit. Pick out that business name. Get it started. For you real estate people, please go write an offer because you know you've been thinking about it way too long. If you want to find out more, definitely go over to zinepack.com because I love all the things that we are Collectively doing as entrepreneurs as we continue to take over the world in our own right. And if you want to possibly catch up with me, you probably should go over to WeWork. You might actually find me at one of those offices in the not too distant future. Anyway, it's been fun talking to you guys today. I look forward to talking to you soon. Until next time.